everyone and welcome to the Winging It F1 podcast Miami Grand Prix review. We're going to review fake water and some Max Verstappen and Leclerc action on track and some of the midfielders who did well or didn't do well and crashed at the end. But <laughs> first, we're here with Freddie Coates, who you just heard chuckling away there in the background, and Nigel Chu. Freddie, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Um, in a lovely time of the year for a university student, particularly a final year university student. Um, but other than that level of stress that is there, I'm actually all right, to be honest. Uh, yeah, same as Freddie, except I'm not as stressful. <laughs> so, yeah. I, mean, I, I think both of us are probably the two probably most laid back people on the course right now. But um... yeah, probably, probably. Well, there's an accolade. I didn't actually ask you how you were, Nigel, but you know, you just jumped the oh, gun there. Right. We can we can roll with that. Um, I, don't care how I, I, I was in I was interested, Nigel. I was interested. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, how are you? I'm good. That's thank great, you. Adam, let's move on. Right. Uh, <laughs> Well, someone who is also feeling very good after the weekend's proceedings is Max Verstappen, who came through. He didn't get pole position, but then he came through on Sunday and was able to take the club relatively early in the race without too much bother. And then looked like he was just disappearing into the distance for the rest of the race until there was a safety car in the last quarter of proceedings. And that brought the field back together and Verstappen then had to had a bit of stress with Leclerc going for a few moves on him, but then it kind of felt like Red Bull you know, switched a few things around in the car, changed the engine up a bit, and he was able to pull away again. So, I don't know. I'd, for me, on the comfort level, it was probably seven out of ten, six out of ten for Max Verstappen. It wasn't, you know, his toughest race win by any stretch. But, Freddie, how, you, how do you kind of evaluate the quality of the win for Max? I think um, the quality is really bolstered by the fact that he got what I think Nigel might know the figure, something like 10 laps done on Friday, all of Friday, and on a new track with a tricky, tricky, complicated surface that really wasn't very good. And with cars that are still, you know, they're still trying to get their, their head around a lot of parts of them to then have basically a practice session and, and a third essentially, and then just absolute harmony with the car in the race to such an extent was brilliant and a really good drive and one of max's but i'd say is um oh will i say his best win of the year oh i don't know because they've both been all three of them have been quite good i think i'll say his best win of the year in my opinion actually nigel do you concur uh probably not no i don't think yeah, it was it was quite a statement <laughs> it was i mean the thing is with verstappen he was very confident after qualifying, even after he got third place. He could he could feel like he knew he knew that he had a good car, and he did. And everyone knew that he had to get past sides at the start, and he did. And everyone knew that Red Bull had good straight line at top speed, and he was able to use that to good effect to get past the car. So these things that people expect, for them to go out and do it, that's a whole other thing. And we saw Perez, you know, even before he had his power unit issue, uh, was struggling to even get. You know, right up, right, right up and close to sides. Yet Verstappen was able to get onto the back of Leclerc, preserved his tyres well, waited for Leclerc to make the smallest of mistakes, and then he pounced at turn one. And that's exactly what Max Verstappen does. So that's what he's best at. And I think 
touching what touching on what I said from Imola, where I thought that was the start of his run of his you know purple patch of form. I think he's, he's continued that here, really, apart from his mistake in Q3, uh, when he lost it in the first sector, he was pretty flawless. And mm, even point. when Leclerc was pushing him hard at the end, it, for me it still felt like Verstappen had it under under control. And he was never going to lose. When he's in that kind of position, he has to have a, a you know, a significantly weaker car to, to lose out. I think he's such such a good front runner, and he's had he's so experienced now that he knows how to do it. So when he's in this position, he can deliver. So yeah, I think Ferrari are gonna have to raise their game a bit because when this happens in this form, he's just absolutely exceptional. Mm. I think that's a good good way of summing it. And the person behind him, who, as I said, was led for a bit and was able to challenge at the other end of the race, Charles Leclerc. Nigel, do you think it was still a positive race from him, considering the advantages that you've just outlined that Verstappen had? Yeah, I think so. I think second place was likely the best result he could have got. I don't think there were a couple of ways he maybe could have won, but realistically... I think he was up against too strong um, opposition. Uh, and, I, and I like that Leclerc, he was still pushing hard, yet he didn't yeah. make a mistake this time, unlike Imola last time, uh, a couple of weeks ago. So, uh, yeah, I think he should be happy with that. He's kind of back on track now, uh, is Leclerc. He's still got a handy lead in the championship as well. So, yeah, he shouldn't be too disappointed with this. Uh, yeah, so I think Ferrari should be satisfied not happy but, but, but yeah satisfied yeah I think I concur with that I think Leclerc should be happy but Ferrari shouldn't be happy um because I think Leclerc definitely did the best he could do I think his post safety car performance was really surprisingly good um compared to where that his consistent pace had been kind of a couple of tenths off max from sort of post pit stop and I think yeah he did make one mistake well after he was overtaken Early on, he then just went really deep at turn 17, the final hairpin. Um, but it, it, it made it became tantamount to nothing, really, as everything unfolded. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, Ferrari's straight line deficit to Red Bull is now arguably putting Red Bull as a favourite uh, for the, you could say, the course of the year, unless they deal with something quick. They've got a bit of breathing space, probably, at Barcelona and Monaco. But after that, there's a few tracks where you just think it would be slam dunk based on this recent form for Red Bull. So I think Ferrari should be, shouldn't be should be resting on their, on any laurels that they had with a bit of control at the start of the year and should be pushing quite heavily for a bit of straight-line speed. Because it does seem to be that Red Bull to Ferrari seems the biggest deficit between next to each other in terms of straight-line speed. The midfield team seemed pretty good with each other but then you got rebel high up and very far back from that so that's going to be an interesting story later down the line and I, now I quite like i quite like having that you know they're yeah. making the same lap time but in different ways i, I love that we mm. saw it in you know 2017 2018 even last year a tiny bit as well Edge. uh and, and i love it when one team is you know better in the straights but slightly worse in the corners and then vice versa and yet they're making the same lap time but if, you, if you're going to have to choose an option, you would choose Red Bull's way just because it's easier to, to defend and easier to overtake. Yeah. So that is always the better way to have it if you're going to have the same lap time. And crucially, Red Bull's high wear as well seems to be on par, if not slightly better than Ferrari, yes. even though yes. they've got a bit less downforce. So that is the key. They've got the 
they might have less downforce, but they still got the tire wear to last, you know, the race and, and you know keep 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 on you know doing fastest laps and stuff like that. I think you've got to throw a lot of kudos to the Red Bull car design team, and they've had this deficit for the past decade of. Um, really good in the corners, really good on traction and so on, but not great in the straight line. And, you know, you can say as much as you want about that being a Renault engine or whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, the car was draggy and they've gone, okay, we've got a new concept. Let's, let's address our biggest flaw and make it, and they've made it their biggest strength. And you've got to say hats off to that. They've just absolutely nailed that. I would say. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's interesting to see, how the narrative of the championship has changed since pre-Imola, where we were talking yeah. about, I think we all thought that could be a Ferrari track. And then, you know, coming out of, that was coming out of Australia where Verstappen had retired and Leclerc had won. And now it's going to this position where we're kind of saying, actually, there could be some tracks that Ferrari are kind of largely uncompetitive at, or, you know, will struggle to, will struggle to challenge Red Bull because, because of their straight line speed. So I think that's just, you know, that's F1. That's how things can change so quickly. But even so, I think it's very interesting to see that. And definitely, definitely. Freddie's lean into the microphone was kind oh, sorry, of significant. I, I was, yeah, I, I was just, was I was just agreeing with you. I was doing a friendly nod of agreement with the word definitely. It was like there was at least three quarters of a foot travel there to move into the microphone. But anyway, you know. We make it work. That's what we do. Um, but having said all of that, Ferrari did come out with, I guess, the second, you know, the B Drivers Championship because Sainz was able to hold off a charging Perez at the end. Perez, who had some engine issues and said he thought he might have a chance at the win if he hadn't had those. Although I feel like those quotes have been taken out of context a bit by reporting. But yeah, he was, um, there was kind of one incident at the end where they came together and Sainz held third place and that was all she wrote which I was disappointed about because I predicted Paris for third place and that was my chance and that didn't mm. happen but anyway Freddie what did you make of Sainz and the incident at the end? I think for the most part particularly early on in the race Perez had Sainz under cover and would probably have just taken him at some point but his engine issue threw him back and then uh, Christian Horner was saying on the Sky coverage that he had a sort of a um, a twenty five odd horsepower um, half a second lap. Half, I don't think it was half a second of a lap. Um, That's what Horner says, so it must be true. I think yeah. it was probably it could well have been two or three tenths a lap um, deficit, which then was kind of helped a bit by the medium tires at the safety car. Fantastic, the, the right strategy call to give him a fighting chance, but I think he just couldn't have that edge in the way that um, Verstappen was able to with a full working engine later on down in the race and he did have to take a bit of a lunge a bit of a bit of a desperate one from Jacko but I mean he went for it but yeah that probably that that threw him out of the DRS second and meant that he couldn't have another go really and science kind of had him covered from that point I think on nearly any other track Perez would have pulled off that move because it was so dirty off line. I feel like, yeah, yeah. I feel like if it was a tiny bit cleaner, he would have got it done. It would have been a fantastic move because it came from quite far back as well. But yeah, I think Perez drove very well. Uh, I think about his, I thought when he pitted, he had a chance of winning. I thought he was going to do 2018 Chinese Grand Prix, Daniel Ricciardo, six to first. 
kind of thing, except for Bolton first, obviously. But I, di- I didn't know that he had that uh, 35, 30 brake horsepower deficit, mm. which which is which is a lot, you know, when you when you go when you're looking at the top. When you're looking at the top end, yeah. They'll take so that held him back, unfortunately. Uh, and I think without that, definitely held you. And I think he would have been right on the clear as well without that issue. So. Yeah, he'll be slightly disappointed that Red Bull's reliability woes are still kicking in a little bit. Uh, but he still finished the race, so that's the main thing. He picked up 12 points uh, rather than zero. Well, I mean, 35 horse power is the entire Grand National field. Usually, <laughs> it's usually 35 to 40. So if you imagine the amount of power you'd be missing out if you took all of them off the Grand National, and there's just one horse maybe going down. Yes, that is the, the best... kind of deficit we're talking about. Because the best horses in the country still only equate to one horsepower. Yes. That's why it's called horsepower. Do, yes. you, do you know how, how much horsepower one racehorse is? No. Seven. There we go. <laughs> Not one. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think there's a, there's a good point to be made. <coughs> kind of alluding to it with, um, with Ferrari, my prior point earlier, that both teams kind of have positives and negatives from this weekend, um, which is... It's just interesting. Like you kind of do have a few kind of drawing board things, and you do also have some positives. And it's it's a really <clears> kind of it's a really interesting one to look at. Rebel have obviously got their reliability, but they've got their straight line speed. Ferrari've obviously got you know just such a friendly package, but it's just lacking that top end defense. So it's it's really interesting. Yeah, and Ferrari brought upgrades to this race as well, but I don't think they. I think they took them off the car after. Friday because they were worried about the tarmac or something like that. So, and I think they did something similar in Imola because it was a it was a sprint weekend. So we yet to see big upgrade from Ferrari and whether it can work. We saw it from Red Bull a couple of weeks ago, but I think both teams are going to be bringing something big in in, in Spain. Ready? What was um was the Ferrari upgrade in the Alfa Romeo? Uh, the engine. Yeah. I was talking about like the rear wing front wing. Oh, okay, okay. I thought they did. They did an engine upgrade as well, didn't they? Yeah, because Leclerc changes power unit for this yeah. race as well, but it didn't seem to really affect the performance. And yeah, yeah. Alfa Romeo and Haas also changed the power units as well this mm. weekend. Okay, because I thought they had okay straight line speed. I think had yeah. Bottas not made a mistake, he would have had the Miss Merckx covered under DRS. I thought so. Um, like, but we'll get on to Bottas. Mm. Mm. Speaking of Alfa Romeo, they <clears throat> Grand Ujo was my pick to have a good weekend and he retired in six laps. So that was that. So uh, sad times yeah. for him. Yeah, yeah, he, he had a bit of a poor weekend, unfortunately, for him. I, yeah. I think just... That's why yeah, you don't line... get names out of a hat and go, oh, they're going to have a good weekend. A line on Joe, he hasn't really shown a flash. He's shown flashes, but he's, he's been he's really living up to his F2 career now after five races. But anyway, <laughs> um, really, you know, good. You can do well. Oh, okay. Not all the time. Yeah. It okay. was, yeah, it was just, it was very Alfa Romeo last season, really, for Joe. But he didn't warrant talking about this height of the show. What does warrant talking about this height of the show is the Miami Grand Prix in general. What were both of your thoughts on it? Freddie, I know yours was a bit more positive. I've seen a lot of people who at the event. optimistic, isn't he? <laughs> What's wrong with that? at the event saying it was fantastic. Even if Adam died, you'll be optimistic. Well, then I get to host more episodes of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm watching over my shoulder now. I have got my... Oh, no, I've taken it down. 
I did have my uh, shooting range target over my shoulder, but that's gone now. <laughs> America. America. I, I think I think the track itself, I really like it. I didn't have many expectations mm. before the weekend, but the track itself, it's got a mixture of everything. And I know the drivers are complaining about uh, when you go offline, it feels like gravel or it feels like it's wet. But I kind of like that. I think if you know if you make a small error, you get really punished for it. And we've got the walls there as well. I think at turn 13 or uh, wherever Ocon and Sides crash, yeah. I've Corner. I think they need a tech pro barrier there to improve the safety because they shouldn't be having that kind of impact. 14. Uh, for a 14, or 14. <laughs> they shouldn't be having that kind of impact for a relatively small crash like that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I think the track itself, I think even though the drivers were complaining, complaining about going offline, we still got lots of overtaking. We got wheel to wheel racing. The other Mercedes had a great battle, which we didn't see because they're TV director. Uh, but you know we had some great battles. Uh, I do think the race was quite dull after Verstappen overtook McLaren before the safety car. But you get that in F1, you know, a couple of weeks ago and in Australia as well. I think there were some dull, dull parts there, so I don't think that's any different to normal. Uh, but yeah, I think overall it can be deemed a success, definitely. I, I um. I think there were lots of intriguing elements to the race. And I think, like Nigel says, there were lots of overtakes. I think I'll disagree with you on really liking the fact that it was difficult offline. Um, I think that's something I've always been a bit kind of uncomfortable with, that it's just kind of like, particularly the classic kind of dry line in a wet race kind of thing. It's a bit like, I've always been a bit, mm, I would rather it just be a good track for everyone to drive everywhere. Cause you know, I know it's impossible, but just gives you more opportunity. Um, yeah but there are track surfaces that are less kind of abrasive in such a particular way. Um, and I think that will be rectified, to be honest. I think they've been very pragmatic on that. So I've been on top of that. I think um, as a race, yeah, intriguing. Uh, the strategy I thought would be a bit better, but basically when they said it's, when Pirelli said it's going to be a two-stop, you know it's going to be a one-stop. Um, and I think, uh, but then a few drivers pitted early and you kind of think, oh, maybe it will be a two-stop. And then it wasn't. So that kind of intriguing bit was there for, you know, the first half of the race for me. So I was quite intrigued in that, keeping an eye on everyone. Did, did fall off until the safety car. But, you know, like you say, that's that. And it got really quite tense at the end because like we were saying earlier, Leclerc was pulling a bit of a blinder to stay that close to Verstappen. Um, and you had so many sort of little weird scraps throughout the field. I think there was, um, I think, I think I spoke about this. I think it was the Eiffel Grand Prix in 2020 um, where you had a kind of position a time where you just sort of look at whoever was in 10th and it, like it seems to be every so different every time you looked around whatever that was I think I remember thinking that then the point of this this race I felt really similar to that that it's kind of like oh midfield's completely gone on its head again oh midfield's gone on its head again and for the second half of the race at least the second final third of the race and I found that quite fun um I think there's been a lot of criticism from a UK perspective aimed at kind of the the sort of America side of it, um, sort of me, mammy Grand Prix and that kind of thing, um, which well, I can't what coin. About? Um, so over the top, all that kind of well, stuff. I, and I, 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 can, I, I like that. I can step stuff. in on that. Yeah, I, I, to me, it kind of felt like they were trying to make a Monaco US Grand Prix. Okay. To me, yeah. that, was, that was the kind of feeling that I got where kind of packing it with 
celebrities and having mm. the you know the yacht clubs which didn't have real water that's funny um yeah. and that so, kind of goes back to the roots of they originally wanted to host it in the actual marina in miami and have it yeah. you know on the waterfront and that fell through so it kind of felt like they were trying to make up for that a bit um martin Rudolph not recognizing paolo vanchero but um i wasn't to be fair no i think I, I, I think don't most mind people not... watching Sky Sports F1 probably wouldn't. No, but I think I'd, I, if you're going to interview someone, if you think they're Patrick Mahomes, probably like be sure they're Patrick Mahomes would be my, <laughs> yeah. my advice. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and, and also like not not exaggerating here. He's Banjero is probably more well known in America than half the F1 grid. I'd go, I'd probably say that. Um, so he's quite a lucky will, person to interview. <laughs> he, will, he will be in a few years when he gets drafted, anyway. But um, from yeah, that side it of was, it, from a PR perspective, I think that stuff kind of works personally. Um, I found it hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> misrecognizing people, not misrecognizing, but having, like you say, someone who's going to be bigger than most Americans than lots of people mm. there, recognizing it and saying it's cool, and yeah, maybe being having a bit of a meme out of it. But I mean, as long as they found it funny, which I think they did from what I've seen on Twitter. Yeah, that on Twitter, yeah. then I think it's fine. Because if it happened to me, I'd find that. Well, for me. <laughs> yeah, I think it'd be hilarious. Oh, sorry, it's been happening to point. me for the entire year where people think I'm Harry and people think Harry's me. But anyway, um, most <laughs> people listening won't know who they are. But yeah, I think, um, I don't know. I I found it kind of exceedingly dull for um, up until kind of from really? Verstappen overtaking, yeah, Leclerc up until the safety car period. Um, but I thought after after the safety car, then that livened it up and kind of gave me more hope for it. So I think the track worked quite well, and we saw that afterwards. I I liked the way you know it kind of played to both of Leclerc's and Verstappen's strengths in some ways, and kind of enabled them to have that battle. Though ultimately mm. Verstappen won, so I liked that. But I did, yeah, I was kind of it didn't feel like there was so much to write home about in the middle portion of the race. Yeah. Yeah, is it better than Portimao, so. yes or no? In Adam's opinion, because obviously Nigel and I and most racing fans like Portimao. <laughs> <laughs> was did Portimao have a late safety car? I can't remember. I'm sure it's a white. No. I, f- I feel like mm, I think I had a VSC. Had an early safety car, I think. Yeah. 21, yeah. Good, I think I I preferred it to both Portuguese Grand Prix. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just on the track, I think, I think the DRS, the middle DRS zone, the one on the sort of the back straight to the hairpin, could have been probably thirty meters longer. But apart from that, and maybe like you say, the tech, well, definitely the tech pro on um, the Ocon Science crash site. Um, yeah, oh, it's all right actually. It it did better for me than I thought it would. And I think yeah, you had some really cracking moves on the first lap, um, going all the way up to sort of turn start. six. I yeah. start. Yeah. two cars around the outside, unbelievable. The greatest start of all time. And one of those was Lewis Hamilton. That's a good segue into talking about Mercedes because yeah. they came into the weekend with optimism. They had good practice sessions. Did they top? I believe Russell topped one of the practice sessions. Yes, um, they won four on Friday. Mm. So... It was great going into the into the Saturday, and then by the looks of things, Ferrari and Rebel turned on their cars, and it went downhill from there. Russell failed to get out of 
Q2, Hamilton qualified sixth, which was his lowest uh, qualification in the US ever. And then they kind of, Russell did well to make his way up to fifth by the end of the race. Hamilton lost positions at the start, like we said, to Alonso. And then, I don't know, it just didn't seem to be able to get well anything going. He also did well by circumstance. I think really sixth is kind of mm. fifth, sixth to Merck. Yeah, Bottas got out of the way, but um, Hamilton, on the dirty side of the grid for where his start was, I think you saw it with a few cars on the dirty side of the grid, came back a bit. And so he was, you know, gone round by Gasly and Alonso, but he got back at them. And then I then kind of was where the car really should have been on the... He was a victim of his own qualifying success in a way for that one, because George did better because he was able to go long and just had a, a better position at the end of the race. I think Merck could have put him on softs, Hamilton, just to see what would happen because of where they were, but they didn't. After and the safety car. During the safety car. Yeah. Uh, but he didn't want to, which I thought no, was very interesting. I think, I think it's fair enough because he doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, but I also think, I don't know, I, oh, I feel he, like that could be kind of seeing the pressure of Russell having beaten him a few times this season and it to me it seemed like the result of him being ahead of Russell was significant I agree I that was I interesting agree. Nigel that's fair enough I completely agree I think from reading the transcript of the radio Hamilton was given a lot of information about Russell he was questioning about you know what's Russell doing what ties is he on mm. and I completely agree with Adam if they do get to the front you know at some point in the season which I think they will I think I can see a Hamilton Rosberg situation. I think this is an early, well, one, one of the first indicators of that. Uh, but yeah, as for Hamilton's weekend, I think he was unfortunate, just like Australia, when he had a pretty good weekend, but then the safety car came out at the wrong time. Uh, and yeah, on the strategy call, uh, I think he had two chances to do it. So they went round once, missed it, and then he got all, all of the information on one map and then didn't come in again. But I think Freddie is kind of right. It is up to the team uh, to make that final decision. And I can't help but feel that Mercedes is almost a bit of a fear factor with how to the kind of damned if they do, damned if they don't because of past decisions and uh, how to, you know, complaining when they make a decision, but then it turns out to be wrong and stuff like that, or him wanting to stay out. So I think there's a bit, there's a bit of a fear factor as well. Yeah, I, I think that might also be, it seems like Mercedes are just trying to have a bit of, I don't know, plausible deniability? Maybe that's the wrong word, but just kind of being able to say to Hamilton, which I guess is kind of what you're saying now as I speak more into this, but we've committed now, so here goes. Yeah, <laughs> just kind of being able to say to Hamilton, well, you wanted this, it's your it's your choice and not for him to be able to go afterwards. Oh, you should have you should have done that. So, yeah, um, I mean, to me, if there's anyone, anyone else behind Hamilton in that safety car, he pits, I think. So, yeah, it's... um. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's a kind of interesting look into where he is mentally at the moment and maybe that pressure from being beaten by Russell a few times is starting to show. Freddie, have you got anything to add? Yeah, there, there is a pressure in being beaten by Russell, but also, yeah, I think, and a lot of people have said this, but I'm just throwing my, my voice onto that pile of, it's such a different position for both of them. It's George has come in to a step up, Lewis has come to a step down, is what, 10th, 11th season with Merck and it's George's first it's obviously going to be a completely different way they're getting to it. But if this is something that can, you know, give, you know, keep Lewis really like pumped for it, I've got to beat my teammate, then yeah, cool. That would mean it would probably 
still be doing quite good performances. He's still out qualified in and that kind of thing. But yeah, my, my point, my next point I was going to make is just Merck were weird this weekend because George's practice two time was faster. much faster than his qualifying time. So his practice two time is a 129.9 and his qualifying time is Q2 qualifying time. So these are a little bit round was a, well, a 30.1. So he was actually not much faster. It was two tenths difference. But like, that's weird. Yeah, that's really that weird. weird. Yeah, I think that I think it just shows the how difficult Mercedes is because in practice two, Miami, that was the best Mercedes put all year, any session, including testing. They looked like they were back. That's quite a statement, you know, to go from what one one point five seconds behind in Imola to at the front. You know, I kind of thought, wow. Uh, but what it does show is there is something there. If they can find that sweet spot, you know, it, it looks like it's a tiny sweet spot. But if they can find yeah. it, they've got something to play with. So that is the big positive, in fact, massive positive, I'd say, because we've not seen that so far this year. Yes, they went on and returned back to the 2022 normal of having the third or fourth fastest car. But there is something there. Uh, it's just a case of can they find it or do they need it to be hot? Do they need certain... Need, need to be on the right track or right, have the right tarmac, you know, is it the tyres? Right. You know, all these factors. Faster laps. Exactly. So, so yeah, there's all these factors that they're going to have to understand. Well, you've got two weeks to sort it out and I, you know, I think they should be hopeful. So, yeah. But that is also what a Friday night in Miami can do to someone, but anyway, <laughs> allegation at all. Yeah, I think, I think like you say, there's kind of the positives that they're there, but also it's just kind of annoying. It's it's annoying that there don't seem to be any, bar that practice session, they don't really seem to be kind of any further on than they were when they took the track in Bahrain. So, yeah, it's it's a weird one for Mercedes, but I guess at the moment all they can do is keep working and go again next and time. Then, in they're Barcelona. not denying completely revising the car concept because, I mean, they probably won't have to because there's probably a lot of fantastic stuff on there, but obviously it all comes as a package and it's not just the case of a new floor, it's a case of the new everything. So Barcelona will be so important for them, but we can discuss that later down the line. Yes, we will. Someone's written on the planning doc, our Alfa Romeo, actually the third best car. I don't know who did that, but... We'll take a wild guess. Are they? <laughs> um, well, by, by, by the Valtteri Bottas's performances of this world, for when it mattered, he was hands down faster. So, ooh, I think it's a, I think there's a good argument to be made for Alfa Romeo to have to have the third best car this weekend. Just gone. Yeah, in, in last weekend as well in uh, Imola. I, I think they've had the third fastest car for the last two races now. They've got a fantastic nice. package. I think Bottas, crucially for Bottas, one of his weaknesses has been he hasn't quite understood the tyres, but it seems this year he does understand it, which is a massive thing because... Mm. Uh, Pirelli have changed it from 13 inch to 18 inch. The construction changed, everything's changed, and yeah. that's something the team sort of got on top of quite quickly. And that's probably why he's extracting the speed that he can. Uh, and when he qualifies well, he can then hold that position uh, because we know, as we found out a little bit, he can make the odd mistake when in wheel to wheel combat or when he's racing closely in a in a, in a pack. Well, yeah, the one lap speed, I think Alpha uh, are definitely third fastest car in the race as well. I think given that Bottas is probably slower than 
uh, Hamilton, as we found out over the last what, That's a fair five assumption. years of that race <laughs> pace. Uh, yeah, we can say that Alpha are quicker than Mercedes slightly. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, moving <laughs> on. Uh, I mean, but that's the thing. That's the thing. Like, there's it's, there's still the Valdry Bottas of it all, where he then was like, "Oh God, I missed my breaking point because there's two Mercedes behind me," and then just goes, "Well, there you go, guys, fifth and sixth. And it's just like, "Oh, come on, Valtteri, but come on, man." So, so many drivers made that mistake. So I think more than half the grid made that mistake of that's going good point. at seventeen. I that's think good point. because of what we talked about before, it, it wasn't a normal track not a normal weekend so i'm no they resurfaced I, I that bit about four times in one day yeah I, I don't i don't think we can you know be too harsh on him yeah uh, good that, point that's, good point that's, that's that's me saying that so so yeah, so, yeah. and you you like you to go. get f1 drivers and just punch them <laughs> that'd be a good segment of the oh and it's not very good audio content oh well we'll, we'll, we'll we can do it for a, back to it do just it for the driver an, who knows an off week punching. Yeah, week. that's a good idea. What, like a right. question of sports segment. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> right. Well, while we work on that, let's talk <laughs> about the other Starman Fielders. There was Ocon, who was in the points, Albon, who was in the points, and Stroll, who came from the pit lane. Both Aston Martin started in the pit lane and picked up a point as well. Albon doing it with dyed red hair as well, which is fun. Nice. Which one stood out? To you the most ready. Um no, I'm gonna there. say Ocon. I'm gonna say Ocon for that group because he was dead last, didn't qualify. His first laps were in a, a whole new chassis, and we've seen quite a few times in recent history in F1 that sometimes you can just have dud chassis and stuff like that. It's rare, but sometimes you can, so who knows? Just just got in that car and just drove through the field a bit, really. I mean, yeah, starting on at the back meant starting um, I think did he start on the hards? I can't remember, but he, he he did he did well with it and you know deserved eighth place I think actually and yeah. good really good drive I think considering the amount of discomfort he experienced after that crash as well in FB three he had bruising uh, lower back pain leg pain I think some neck pain as well like a lot of you know really kind of close to injured from that crash you could say and. You know, to get back in the car and then drive to the points in one of the most physical. We haven't actually really touched on how physical it was there. I, um, and I think talking about the mistakes a little bit more as we come into drivers in the midfield didn't do so well. I think there's an element of fatigue that's huge for a lot of drivers in this race. And I think Ocon just displayed such a degree of um, maturity getting through that. Same for Albon as well, actually, just to not put a foot wrong throughout and just do a really good job. I think they were they were very star performers, Ocon and Albon, actually. I think you can equivalent the exact same stuff I've just said about just performing at the best of the car to Alvin as well. Mm, yeah, I think on Ocon, uh, it was helped weirdly by Alonso because I think it was Alonso cut the chicane mm-hmm. to make Schumacher didn't have DRS so Ocon could then attack Schumacher. He got past them and then Schumacher had his own incident. Uh, it was, um, it was, he was already ahead of Schumacher. Um, oh, was it? Oh, right. Yeah, but the gap went from about half a second to nearly two seconds and yeah. Then he also, he also set a purple sector two time. So he did cut the chicane. Um, he did try and make it, try and back off a bit, but um, crucially, Mick wasn't it wasn't back into DRS, I think. So yeah. he didn't back off enough. That's what I meant. But yeah, yes. I often had, had a great drive, made use of that soft tire, t- soft tire gamble, and it paid off. 
So, yeah, full credit to him. And Albon as well. Uh, you know, compared to Latifi, particularly in the race, he was miles faster. I think at one point Latifi was like 35 seconds behind the entire field uh, before the safety card came out. I'm not sure why that was the case. Maybe uh, Latifi, Latifi started on hards and Alvin started on mediums, I think. Hmm. I think. Uh, I might be, so I think Alvin... that's the case, I, I don't think. Yeah, I think Latifi was quite a bit behind Albon on, ra- on, yeah. on, on race pace. Oh yeah, he uh, was. That's the only. That's 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 the mitigating for probably about a few of those thirty odd mm. seconds. <laughs> a few of those thirty, but yeah, <laughs> But yeah, I think Albon he picked his way through. Great moves uh, was there at the right time. Uh, and yeah, he just seems to be enjoying it. I think he talks about with Sky after the race how he's enjoying being at not with a big team now, and that's just kind of lifted the pressure off his shoulders and the year out has certainly helped as well. So I think he's reacted well to all of that and he's had a great start uh, to his year. So I want to be very happy Williams as well as we because we thought that they would struggle a bit this year, but to get to have three points on the board is fantastic and uh, they expected to struggle this weekend as well. So for them to do well on a track that's got you know, high speed corners, slow speed corners, straights. Yeah, that's really positive. Yeah, I think without corners and straights. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> many <laughs> tracks do. Um, not all, though. Drag racing is a thing. But yeah, I think to, you know, without wishing to bring up previous podcasts, I think this is kind of showing uh, what Albon. No, 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 not, not like that. I think it's just kind of showing what Albon, I think, showed he was capable of and it didn't go well at Red Bull long we all know that but I think this is kind of um right environment yeah it's the right environment and I think he I think in his F1 career he showed that in the right environment he could do something like this and he's now fulfilling that promise and that's kind of pleasing to see um while also accepting that he would die at Red Bull um but yeah I, I'm pleased I'm happy for Albon he's a likable person I think and uh yeah it's nice to see him Back's doing well. Hopefully that continues over the season. Anything else to add? Uh, I think, yeah, just a line on Stroll. Pit lane to points, pretty good. I mean, yeah, only in the points because of a penalty for Ricardo and two penalties for Alonso. But, I mean, he was there to pick it up, didn't crash into anyone and that kind of thing. Um, yeah. yeah. I think really good, really good qualifying from Lance Stroll, actually. Really good qualifying. Yeah. Shame he had to start from the pit lane. Because he could have mm-hmm. he could have easily been... Um, top eight. The, top eight, definitely, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think Haas will be disappointed. They've thrown away so many points in these first five races through strategy yeah. or just you know mistakes from the drivers. And we saw Schumacher, he was still going to get points. And yes, the safety car didn't help. And he was on hard tyres versus Vettel on pressure rubber and Vettel just got past. But he shouldn't be making that kind of mistake for me. I think it was a bit, a bit clumsy. But even with Haas's strategy, they ended up behind both Aston Martins after they pitted. Why did the team realise that when Magnus and Schumacher pitted that they were going to come out in traffic? I don't understand that at all. No, they just made the race a lot harder for themselves and they should have got points this weekend. They absolutely mm, should have. Uh, Schumacher's still not got points in his own yeah, career. Yeah. Uh, I think it was, it was great until then, wasn't this it? This was Schumacher's best race performance up until that incident so you know the potential's there but they've thrown away at least I want to say a dozen points this year through 
not executing uh, clean, clean the weekends, and that's going to cost them. And we've seen this from past before in the past as well. So it seems like a almost inherent problem that they have. So they need to sort that out, or else they're going to get found out again. Uh, you know, next race or in or, or at some point. Yeah, yeah, that Mick Schumacher Vettel crash is. I mean, I was I was actually quite quick i'd say to blame mick for that um it was deemed a racing incident so i went and had another look at it because obviously fernando alonso had got a five second penalty for arguably a, a, a not as bad accident so i was interested to look at that and i think you know that caught that, the move is kind of indicated by mick quite early on on that straight so i think vettel probably could have expected it and could have given him a bit more room um but also it looked like mick came in with too much speed so I think it does fall a bit more into Mick's side, in my opinion. And yeah, I agree. it's a bit of a shame because for both of them, up until then, I would say were driver of the day contenders. But then both had negative impacts into that, where that crash came. Because Vettel pit lane to good points, not just points because two other people ahead got a penalty and another two crashed out, which realistically was what happened for Stroll. But it would have been, that, would have, that was an eighth place position, really that would have been an utterly brilliant drive for Vettel. And like you say, Nigel, without even with um, the Haas strategy team, again, a good result would have been there, probably a 10th place, let's be honest, for Mick. But it all fell away for, for both of them, which I think was a shame because I think they both deserve points from their drives. And if you, there's a few notes left. If you both picked one more driver to talk about, go. Well, I mean, Alonso, um, <laughs> he, he had such an Alonso weekend where some really clever bits and then some really kind of like, I'm Alonso, get out of my way moments. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, his first lap, yeah, he made contact with Hamilton, but it's because he knew if he could go around the outside, he would just find so much more grip because it's rubbered in where people didn't know it was rubbered in. And it worked after he did that little kind of kiss on Hamilton's rear tyre. But then he just later on got frustrated and centered at Gasly and then it's just kind of like oh great um and you know 10 second penalty accumulation of two five seconds so it's just kind of like oh Fernando come on Alpine you've only got how many points has Fernando Alonso got this year isn't it like two um so like he's not really yeah he's got two points so the Mick it's better than Mick, but I think we said in the last podcast, Alpine should realistically be fighting for fourth in the constructors at the moment, not for um, being better than Mick Schumacher. So I'm, I'm disappointed with what could have been for that, really. Yeah, uh, I think I'll touch on McLaren a little bit. I think even without, well, Norris might have got a couple of points at best for uh, didn't get. In fact, what 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 do you think of that? The Gasly Norris incident. Do you think anyone was at fault for that? Alonso. Uh, yeah, Norris and Gasly. Oh, yeah, Alonso, Alonso sorry, was sorry, at sorry, fault. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I think I don't know. In in terms of the actual collision, maybe maybe Gasly was at fault, but it wasn't like intentional. Yeah. If yeah, I had I to don't come think down, he turn really, could he? <laughs> yeah, that's true. But you know, I think if if you kind of if you're looking at it, I think. Gasly kind of is coming across to the left, which is the reason they crashed, but it's not like 
you know, it, it's A, it's a blind corner coming round um, to yeah. the right. and Particularly in your mirrors. Yes, and, you know, like you say, Gasly had just been off and was having difficulty controlling the car. So, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at on that. It's kind of like the crash you kind of fear if you're driving on a motorway, where, say, you're in an outside lane and someone's in the inside lane, and there's a free middle lane. You kind of think, yeah. do we both move, are we, if we both move to the middle lane... It always happens to me. It's, it's, one I, it's one that's never happened to me, but I'm always kind of... It's Adam the one I can't kind of think drive, about. just for yes. those who don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Neither and I can drive. Um, um, but yeah, it's the kind of thing you kind of think about, all right, I just need to really double check that this other person in that lane isn't going to want to be in the middle lane as well, or that kind of thing. So that's the, it was that kind of crash, which is kind of blind spotty, really hard to blame someone for it, was really lucky it wasn't as bad for Lando as it was just a kind of few spins and a, a, a sort of deflated tire frankly um and a bit of chipped floor so yeah. and it sort of stopped right in front of a marshall post and I'm like, oh think great what a what a what a fortunate unfortunate crash that's a great way to summarize it actually that motorway uh, yeah example but yeah i think uh at Thank best you. it would have got a couple of points about that incident because their pace was dire it was Probably second or third worst race thing. Yeah, probably, probably second worst race behind Bahrain, which is really bad. Uh, they have no speed on the straights. Whether the heat, you know, is uh, the track temperature was above 50 degrees, whether the car didn't like that, perhaps. But yeah, McLaren, not back to the drawing board, but they'll be wondering why they were so slow after they've had, you know, a few good weekends. Mm. And Ricardo yes. as well, he was out in. Q2, I think he qualified 15th or 14th. He had, um, he got let out of the carriage late because of an issue with the car and then had to do a very, very pacey outlap. But even after that, he couldn't get anything going in the race, really. Um, I think that's yeah. more the car, though. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, no, I, think, I, I completely think it, agree. I think Daniel's qualifying position and Lando's qualifying position is more of a testament to Lando than to where McLaren are at the moment. Mm. But I think also Ricardo's unluckiness on the... Um, Yes, you're right. You're right. So, yeah, but that's everything, unless anyone wants to jump in with a final thought. How would you rate the Miami Grand Prix out of 10? Oh, it's a really hard one to rate because there's so much of it that I've really enjoyed. I really enjoyed the Pirelli um, football hats on the uh, hats, come on, helmets on the podium. I thought that was really cool. There's so many things I found really just cool about the weekend, but I think the race just was you know it was it was an all right race and it had lots of good bits and lots of boring bits so what's all right out of 10 i mean sure let's go five, with it was all right six. it was five it was five out of ten yeah for five out for the race five out of ten but the race weekend were like 7.5 uh so yeah yeah i i was thinking five out of ten as well um yeah. well the safety car it would have been three but there was a safety car so at least that's three. That's pretty good. That's pretty good considering you you basically yeah. were admitting to a coma earlier. Um, yes. <laughs> you know. Anyway, yeah, it was. Um, I think it's is one that we'll need a second year to look at it. And oh, Vegas. we've got we've got nine more at least. So yeah, and Vegas. Woo. Yeah. That's gonna be fun. Don't need first race in America. We had that podcast. Yeah. We ignored you. Yeah, <laughs> be the fourth. Anyway, that is everything. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you ahead of the Spanish Grand Prix next time out. Goodbye. Goodbye.